pandemonium reigns. What a weekend it was. The college football slate did not disappoint yet again. Hey, we're back to talk about it. Got a handful of games here that we're going to cover. Mike's going to jump in with me pretty shortly, but we're going to get this thing rolling. Thank you so much for tuning in. Pandemonium reigns. We're growing, and it's all because of you. All because of you. Thanks for hanging out with us, for joining us, and letting us tickle your ears. With that said, let's jump right into this weekend slate. Auburn and Georgia, the deep South's oldest rivalry, did not disappoint. The experts had this at a 14-point spread. And going into this weekend, I if you listen to the previous episode, I, I said this game will be much closer than the experts think. I put it down as a 28-17 Georgia win. Uh, Mike picked a 30-9 Georgia win, but it was only a seven-point win. I told you this was going to be closer than the experts think, simply just because of the voodoo magic that Jordan Hare can simply provide. Had this been a night game in Jordan Hare, maybe the voodoo magic would have been turned up even more. But nonetheless, a lot to talk about here. This was Carson Beck's first real start, uh, and we talked about how Auburn was just going to let it all hang out, that they were playing with with house money, uh, that they were just going to let it all rip. And from the get-go, they let it all hang out. They let all showed their hand, showed their cards, let it all play out, say, hey, this is what we're playing with. This is what we're going to do. And you're just going to have to stop. And a large part of their success was the element of the quarterback run. I mean, let's see if I can find this here pretty quickly. Peyton Thorne set the tone. Early in the first quarter with a 61-yard run. He finished 12 for 92 on the ground. 12 for 92. He was their leading rusher. And you've got Jarquez Hunter and Brian Batty in the backfield. And he was the leading rusher, causing them to go over 200 total uh, as a team. But we're talking about Carson Beck. Here we go. Talking about Carson Beck. Um, I'm already all over the place. So Auburn let it all hang out, and we were we were concerned going in. You know, what are we going to see out of Carson Beck? Is he going to be able to handle the pressure? Is he going to be able to respond if things don't go well, if adversity hits, whatnot? And I believe he did just that. If you cycle through Twitter, if you search his name, Georgia fans are all over his case. You know, I go to church in the South. I go to church, you know. 45 minutes away from the Athens campus. So all I heard was Carson Beck is not it. Carson Beck is not our guy. Carson. And to that, I just say, why? Like, what kind of expectations do you have on him? If we're simply talking statistics, okay, 23 for 33, 313 yards, a score and a pick. It's good for a 91.4 QBR. So what is making you say that Carson Beck is not the guy? He was accurate with the football. He made good decisions. He was rather composed in his first ever real road test. If you were comparing him to 2022 and 2023 Stetson Bennett, you're living in a Madden world. You're living in an EA sports gaming world where you just plug the next guy in who's got this overall rating 
and you just push the buttons and they do the job. But, you know, if they can't do it uh, to the to the level of, you know, the guy of the past and they must not be. This is not how this works. And so to that, I would say your expectation of him is foolishness. I would say he's absolutely your guy. And you're you're a different team overall with a different DNA and a different identity. Your defense is not as star studded. They've they've got some um, not holes, but they've got some vulnerability to them. Where in the past two years, did they? You you in in the past, you had to beat this team on the edge with great receiver play, 50-50 balls. And if you couldn't do that, you couldn't beat this team. I don't think that you have to do that to attack them defensively anymore. Um, Auburn showed that. If you could put the ball on the ground with the quarterback, you can cause a lot, cause a lot of problems. Uh, but there were two two things in my mind that really kept Auburn in this, and this is something that I that I really thought that they could do uh, going in. The, the first thing is turnovers. All right, so uh, I know that they had at least two turnovers. I want to try to find this very quickly. If I can, uh, all right, it's not going to help my argument anyway. Two turnovers that we know are for sure. Uh, Jalen Simpson had a interception picking off Carson Beck early in the what I believe was the first quarter with about six minutes left. Put the uh, or gave possession to the Tigers at about midfield, and they were able to turn that uh, into a touchdown, putting them up ten nothing. Uh, later, uh, Oscar Delp, Luke Delp, whatever his name is, last name Delp, he puts the ball on the ground. Um, so turnovers were a big deal, something that Auburn had to have in order to either pull off this win or keep it close, and that's what they did. They took advantage of their turnovers. I believe that they turned that um, that Delp fumble into six points as well. And the second thing was just quarterback run. and. We've I've already, I've already talked about this. They didn't need Robbie Ashford to put the ball on the ground. They were able to do it very successfully with Peyton Thorne. And I love how they did it from the get-go. 61-yard rush early in the first quarter, basically saying to Georgia, we're going to show you this early because we want you to be aware of this the 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 whole night. The whole day, we want you to we want you to have to defend this and think about this the whole night. So now, when Peyton Thorne is on the field, we want you thinking about this. And as we're calling plays, we know that you now have this in mind because there's a lot more that we can do out of this. This this opens up our RPO game. This opens up our zone read game. This opens up a opens up our uh, our read option game. It did a lot for them. But I told you going in into this game that Carson Beck was going to be your X factor. That this game was going to come down to him. Can he handle the pressure? Can he respond to adversity? All of those things. Again, it's his first real test, test and Auburn was playing with house money, and they're just going to let it all rip, especially on the defensive side. Something that we didn't talk about enough was Brock Bowers. If you're considering who to put in your Heisman finalist, just put Brock Bowers at this moment. Listen, this is coming from a Tennessee guy. Let's just go ahead and hold the ceremony. Let's send Brock Bowers by himself because this dude is outstanding. And shame on the offensive side 
of the football and whoever is involved on on the offense for Georgia for not dialing up Brock Bowers more. He didn't really come alive until the second half, and that I'm going to blame that on the coaching staff for not getting him more involved. He absolutely just took over this game. Took over this game. Eight catches, 157 yards, and a score. And his score in the end is really what put Georgia over the hump and where you could f- almost feel like the 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 wind come out of Auburn's sails. When he started to get going, it was probably like sand in their fingers, sand in their hands, trying to hold it all together. And then he puts together that touchdown, I believe, from about 40 yards out and finds the end zone, made two ridiculous, stupid one-handed catches. I mean, this guy is unreal. Let's just go ahead and, 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 and put him in New York. Auburn still had a chance there towards the end, driving the field. I believe they got to about midfield, and on a fourth and nine situation, Peyton Thorne throws a pick. There just wasn't much there, so he had to force feed it, and it ends up getting picked off. But I just want to say that I told you so, that I told you so, that this game was going to be closer than the than the experts suggested or thought. Auburn covered. This is a game that they very well could have won. They covered Came up just short. Auburn is going to be uh, a problem, I believe, from here on out for any opposing any opposing teams because now you have a real legit run threat in Peyton Thorne who you've got to be prepared for. Everybody was just considering Robbie Ashford. All right, Robbie Ashford, red zone Robbie, he's on the field. We know what's coming. Well, if Peyton Thorne, He's not a statue, man. He can do it. He can put the ball on the ground. He can he can put the ball on the floor. He can get to the paint. He can do it. We saw it. He ran well. So quarterback run turnovers were were really monumental for Auburn keeping this game close and, and so close to pulling out the win. But Georgia fans, I just say this to you, man. Carson Beck is your guy. He really, really is. He's solid. Threw for over 300 yards. But nonetheless, we both picked Georgia to win this game, but Auburn in cover. The deep South's oldest rivalry did not disappoint. Auburn 20, Georgia 27. Hotty toddy in the building. The Rebels hosted LSU, winning this game 55 to 49. And Mike and I both whiffed on this, predicting LSU to go into Oxford and get this win sending Ole Miss down a entirely different path that they're now going to be on. I said 31-34 LSU. You said 38-35. No, you picked Ole Miss. You picked Ole Miss. My bad. I wrote stuff down weird. It's messing me up. You picked Ole Miss. This game came out 49-55 in <laughs> Ole Miss's favor. Uh, obviously, Ole Miss did more than cover by overcoming the uh, three-point favorite in LSU's way. Dude, I've never seen so many yards in my life. Yeah, I mean, 104 points, uh, 1,300-plus yards of offense. And, you know, I feel like, not to be a little petty, but I feel like these are the types of games that people would would have said Josh Hopper would be winning. And that's happened a time or two in the 40s, Alabama, 52-49. But here's Lane 
Lane's been in this boat before with Arkansas uh, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been in this boat a couple of times. And what what world are we living in that LSU gives up 55 to Ole Miss? I mean, I know that Lane is good offensively, but what world are we living in when they give up 706 total yards and 55? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Bro, they both threw – Jackson Dart, Jane, Jane Daniels both threw four scores. Jackson Dart, 389. Jane Daniels, 414. The yards just did not stop. Freaking Energizer Bunny just on and on and on. The stats that are behind this game are just absolutely maddening. And obviously, Ole Miss did the right thing and saying, all right, Judkins, here's the ball. And here's the ball again. And here's the ball one more time. And here's the ball for a counting of 33 balls on the ground. Or, or rushing yards or rushing attempts, 33 carries, 177 yards. Um, and he even had a catch. So 34, yeah. 34 total touches. Can we get this guy? Is he available? Gosh, have, I, what if he transferred? Oh my gosh. Do we have free agency yet in college football? <laughs> Rob the deal. Man. And yeah, I mean, they, they ran, they ran for 317 on LSU, 317 on the ground. In addition to darts 389, balance, balance, balance. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. So I think uh, I think the main co- point of conversation for me is, you know, Ole Miss was coming off the gut-wrenching loss to Bama, and I thought for them that this win was going to be really, really important. But they haven't – I mean, this is just a series that's gone in LSU's favor – um, I'm pretty sure even in the last decade, I would love to know those 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 outcomes. But what is this? What do you think this does for Ole Miss going forward? And what does this do for the flipping West division? The West is a nightmare. Um, it's an absolute train wreck because you know LSU in the sense that LSU was your projected winner of the West, that they would be a playoff team, and they're out. They are not mm-hmm. going to compete for a 14 playoff spot. Uh, mm-hmm. Sure, if it's 12 teams, you know, and they went out, that's what they're looking at. But, right. I mean, LSU now sits at third in the West uh, with, with Ole Miss, funny enough, behind them. Yeah. Ole Miss had to have this game. I mean, you've got Arkansas next, which is desperate for a win. Uh, yeah. You're hosting them. You're traveling to Auburn, which you can't mess around with, as we saw Saturday, as, as you'll right. see anytime Hugh Freeze is coaching your squad. Uh, then you get a, a bit of a break with Vanderbilt, um, and and then it just heats back up. Texas A and M going to Georgia. I mean, they had they had to have this win if they want to compete for anything at mm. all in this conference. I think now you're looking at a nine and three floor if they lose to A and M and Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, you still got the Egg Bowl, obviously, which which again they've lost when they've been the more talented team, which they definitely yeah. are. Yeah. Um, but you know this this should set them up for a nine and three floor with an outside outside shot at ten and two. I, I don't see them going to Athens and beating Georgia if they couldn't go to Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama. Still, um, but you just never know when a team puts up seven hundred and six yards against LSU what they can do. I'm glad you mentioned that because that that was a direction I was getting ready to go. Going into the season, we talked about the ridiculousness that was Georgia's schedule. All right, they just went toe-to-toe with Auburn. Ole Miss just put up a heck ton of yards against LSU. If Georgia draws this Ole Miss, if this Ole Miss shows up, 
Not saying it's a win, but again, might be closer than the experts think. Could be problematic for Georgia. 100%. If, if this game was at Oxford, then I'd, I'd probably take it on this to cover any number if Georgia was the favorite. I mean, any number less than a field goal, I'd be even down to a field goal, I'd be taking Ole Miss to cover because yeah. of the way we've seen Georgia start games, if, if for nothing else. Yeah. Uh, at home, it'll be a different animal. Uh, you just – I mean, Georgia's not looked great at home or on the road, but yeah. we know we know what they are and, and how tough they are to to, to beat ultimately uh, before, mm-hmm. you know, we ever get to that point. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was a must, must win. I think, I think Lane really needed that because, you know, he still can't slay Alabama. Uh, you know, now he beats LSU. He, he's going to create a little breathing room for himself, especially Absolutely. if they can build on it. Absolutely. If they can build on it and get to nine and three, because I think again that that should be their floor now. Um, creates a little breathing room for himself because it. You know, they're set up. They're set up to keep going. You got Judkins another year. You're killing it in the portal in the terms of receivers and uh, quarterbacks. At this point, you, you've got Dart doing his thing. Uh, you've got guys behind him that should be set up for success in the long run. So I think they had to have it. No, I'm entirely, I'm in total agreement with you. However, I will say this, the Arkansas game next week, don't be surprised if the Razorbacks turn that one out just from the, the little things that we know about the West division. Exactly. Exactly. Extreme parity in the West. It seems right now. Yeah. But let me ask you this. If I were to, if I were to tell you going into the season, Hey, by week five, LSU is going to be out of the college football playoffs. No way, not a chance, dude. Not a chance. I mean, I would have again. They were they were Vegas had them right there against L, uh, FSU. I think it was a touchdown in both teams' favor at one point. Yeah, we certainly didn't expect them to lose by twenty one points. Yeah, uh, and yeah, and and what I expected was more so that week three team that we saw when they 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 whipped up on Mississippi State at Mississippi State. That's what I expected to get. Yeah, uh, and then they have this close game with Arkansas leading into this loss on Saturday. That was that was eye opening for me and. I projected that LSU would more than cover. I think the it was a large spread because it was at home. Mm-hmm. It was like 14, 17 points, and I said they could double that. Yeah. And they certainly didn't. They were lucky to escape with a win against Arkansas, and they didn't escape Ole Miss. What is this? What is this world that we're living in? Um, I want to talk about Jaden Daniels just for a second. This dude's got to learn how to go down. He has one, he now has one of the Funniest clips in college football that I have ever seen. He's got to learn to slide. He's got to learn to go down. Uh, if he makes it to the next level, which I think is a real possibility, the dude can can put some touch on a deep ball. He's got a gorgeous, gorgeous deep ball. He's elusive. He can extend plays with his legs. So he's got a lot of things there. I think he's smart. He's going to be the product of Brian Kelly, um, who can who can put dudes in the pros. Um, but that clip, that play of him not going down and just getting absolute tallywhacked, plastered, and the ball shooting up like it's a like it's a grease pig or something. So dang funny. I showed my wife that and she just got she watched that on replay. So funny. Yeah, I mean he looks like he's expecting the defender to slow down because he kind of slowed down, did a little half juke and yeah. proceeds to get lit up. And that's gonna happen if you don't put yourself on the ground. I mean you're still gonna get hit a lot of times yeah. when you slide or give yourself up because it's hard for defenders to stop, and he certainly didn't do that. I'd like to transition into their trip to Columbia, Missouri, where oh, Missouri's man. still undefeated. Uh, Missouri is ranked ahead of them. Don't be surprised if Missouri is 
a one or a two point favorite because of home field advantage because of the issues we've seen from LSU. Now I like their offense and their chances to go in there and score. I'm worried about them getting stops versus anyone at this point, though. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you remember the amount of times we referred to last year as 2007? Do you remember that? All every week, starting probably October 1st, we did it. I bet you every week. Imagine going into this season. I told you by week five, LSU will be eliminated from the playoffs, and Mizzou will be ranked higher than them, and Mizzou will be undefeated. 2007 it is. <laughs> 2007 it is. What world are we living on? Well, nonetheless, I was wrong. I took Ole Miss, or I took LSU. Mike got it right, taking, taking Ole Miss. 49-55. I believe this is the first time that I'm ever about to say this. If you have not seen the highlights from this game, you need to go watch the highlights from this game because it was an absolute barn burner. Uh, the joy that is – uh, college football. Uh, nonetheless, uh, Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, right the ship, hosting the Bayou Bengals, winning that game 49-55. Still waiting on the outrage from the national media regarding the trash thrown on the field. I haven't seen much of it. I'm sure it's coming, though. Sure it's I'm coming. Sure it's coming. NCAA, you're on the clock. At David Oven. At David Oven. Go ahead. The USC Trojans travel to Boulder. They travel to Folsom Field, and they squeak out a 48-41 to 41 dub, partly, in, in, partly thanks to some of the worst clock management that you and I have ever seen by Colorado, forcing themselves to rely on an onside kick that is honestly one of the worst onside kick attempts I've seen in mm. my last yeah. few years of watching college football. We know how low, how low risk it is that you hit that anyway, and it yeah. was a piss-poor attempt. Uh, yeah. But again, this this game, forty eight to forty one Trojans. I kind of feel vindicated in saying that we know what USC is. We we they are who we thought they are. Top mm-hmm. deal, uh, only winning this game by seven, leading yeah. thirty four to fourteen at half, but letting this be a touchdown game in the end uh, mm-hmm. against a team that you just you just are so much more talented than. And obviously, your offense showed that, but your defense is still. It, it's not even touching the playoff contention, or if it is, it's the same defense that we saw Lincoln Riley have in the playoff in 2017 and times like that. USC does not run fit well. They don't tackle well. They don't mm. tackle on the open field. The philosophy is simply, we're just going to outscore you. Yep. And all of those things showed because you allowed Colorado basically to just to come storming back. But the, but the, the number that jumps off to me is, is Caleb Williams, 30 for 40. 30 for 40, 400 yards, 403 yards, six touchdowns and a pick. 30 for 40? I don't – I don't – 40 attempts, and you're going to complete 30 of those? Dude, I don't care if you're playing Arkansas Pine Bluff. That's impressive to me. Yeah, and it is. And he, and he threw his first pick like I speculated that he might, but that is impressive, uh, 403 yards. The thing that I don't get, because, again, I just we just highlighted that it was 34 to 14 at half and your team totaled 25 rush attempts. I think you flip those rush attempts and those pass attempts, and then you probably win that game by 21 because you were dang close to doing that at half, and then you just kept giving Colorado more life, more life. This was not the primary game that I had eyes on in this time slot for whatever reason. But, uh, you know, I I just don't understand. I I don't understand Lincoln Riley is what I'm going to say because 
it's the same old issues, the same old con- un- I'll say unconcern of playing defense and and how impactful and important that is. Mm-hmm. If you ever want to sniff a national championship, this just will not cut it. No, no, it's not going to cut that at all. Um, this has been his mo forever, though. Score a ton of points, give up a ton of points. It, it's just what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, I do think it's funny that Marshawn Lloyd had a really good night, and all the Gamecock fans are just watching him run this way, that way, backyard football this way, that way, and you know they obviously struggled in Neyland on Saturday night. Uh, but considering Deion Sanders for a minute, he's now three yeah. and two. He's now three and two. Uh, you know, they had a ton of momentum before the Oregon game where they yes. got tallywhacked. Um, matter of fact, I even went on record and said, hey, Shador Sanders, Travis Hunter, these guys can very much lead Colorado to a potential <clears throat> 10 plus win season. Uh, well, in order for that to happen, you you now have to win out. Um, and I don't believe it's going to get easier for them at Arizona State, hosting Stanford, at UCLA, hosting or- a really, really good Oregon State, hosting Arizona, at Washington State, a top 15 Washington State, and then at Utah. Um, I The only reason I, that I even want to say this is the only reason I'm glad that Colorado has kind of come back down to earth is just so the media would get out of their butt cheeks. That's really all it was. Like I'm rooting for Dion, man. I want him to be successful. I like him. Yeah. He's 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 basically like the Donald Trump of politics. He doesn't look like all the other guys. He doesn't talk talk like all the other coaches. He doesn't Yeah, he's going to be him, so I appreciate that. But I don't know. What do you, what do you, how do you see Colorado basically unfolding for the rest of the season? And, and what do you make of them up to this point? Well, I think they're certainly, well, to this point, they've done more than we, we thought to this point. And there's no denying that because of at TCU. Um, you know, beating Nebraska, I think in, in, in different moments, I probably waffled on that. Anytime after week one, I certainly expected Colorado to win that game, and they did in the end. Uh, you know, they, they looked so odd. And they played down to Colorado State, kind of, or they just don't have the guys to really run away from a Colorado State like you expect they would. Mm-hmm. But then they hang with USC, partially, partially in part to USC and the issues that we're highlighting here. But yeah, I mean, you're gonna if you if you win at Arizona State, to me that's pretty impressive because you're you're just not a complete team. You are still missing so many parts. They certainly could go down there and win that game because Arizona State is in a pretty deep pickle jar of their own. Uh, but then you host Stanford, and you're getting right against Stanford. There's there's no chance Stanford hangs with Colorado in my eyes at this moment, mm-hmm. um, unless it's an overlooked situation or a Co- Colorado State 2.0, something like that. Sure. And then it just gets really t- tough because you're going to UCLA, and, and while you might go blow for blow with them on the scoreboard, I think you're going to have a tough time doing that for 60 minutes plus if it goes in overtime, something like that. I mean, Chip Kelly is as sound as they come offensively still, in my opinion. For sure, things that he's done at UCLA are more than I thought he could. For sure, I don't see you beating Oregon State because they're. I think they're going to look at this game like Oregon looked at that game. Let's say Colorado gets on the right track for the next two games leading into it, that they win those games, which I don't think they will. Oregon State's going to look at it. We're going to go put a stop to that because you see what they did against Utah, uh, even having a loss to this point of their own against Washington State. 
they're just not going to have it. They're not going to go in there and celebrate Colorado being an upstart program back on the right track. They're not going to do that. DJ Uyangale is still looking to do as much as he can in the sport, maximize the few the few games that he has left in the sport. It's mm-hmm. just not going to – I'm afraid that game's not going to go well. You're probably okay against Arizona, and then you get Washington State-Utah to close out the regular season. Losses, my friend. I'm sorry. That's losses. Yeah. What a roller coaster Colorado has been thus far. What a roller coaster. Uh, but you know what? It the the people who listen to Pandemonium Reigns love when we talk about Colorado. I yeah. don't know what it is. Don't know what it is. Uh, but you mentioned Colorado's win over TCU. We would be making a mistake if we didn't mention that West Virginia also just beat them. West yep. Virginia. Struggle bus that was them going into this season. Neil Brown fighting for his dang job. He also beat TCU. So yep. that Colorado win over TCU ain't looking so special anymore. Yeah, completely Col- agree. Colorado has come back down to earth fast. Um, and as we as we end this this segment, uh, I, I want to say this, talking about for Southern Cal just for a minute. Uh, Southern Cal can can score a lot of points, but they're just not a playoff team. No, they are they are a one side. But I, I'm afraid you run into, uh, uh, oh my gosh, almost anybody who can put up points well, like an Oregon. That should be fantastic. Oregon Southern Cal. That should that should be you know a lot of points scored in that one. I mean, truth be told, or a Washington. Good lord, even in their own conference, I'm going to take Oregon or Washington out of the Pac-12 for the playoff before I'm taking Southern Cal. One hundred percent. It gets real for USC again in two weeks' time when they when they travel to Notre Dame, and again, you might score a hundred points, but you yeah. also might give up one hundred and ten because yeah. that that physical ground game that Notre Dame brings that that veteran flashy presence that Hartman can bring. I mean, it's going to mm-hmm. go blow for blow at best for USC, yeah. and they might get dominated. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you right now, they might get dominated. On right after that game, they've got Utah. I mean, they've got some losses coming. Is what I'm here to tell you. Yeah, Utah doesn't look quite like Utah, um, but they've got some losses coming. I, I just don't see any way around it. I would be absolutely shocked and, and mesmerized if they made a 12 and 0 regular season out of this because they just they just look like a, again who I thought they were. Man, I was going to set you up for that. I was going to softball softball pitch that to you, Southern Cal. We said it just before we hit the record button. They are who we thought they were. Yeah, man, man, we have nailed that one. Well, we both picked Southern Cal to win that game. Um, I do hope that Colorado can can right that ship um, and find a bowl, find a bowl game this year. Uh, and I think that would be a massive, massive success. I do think they've exceeded some expectations going into this year, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's to hoping Travis Hunter gets healthy soon. But nonetheless, man. Southern Cal, 48-41. They let the Buffaloes come back, but they still are who we thought they were. Notre Dame keeps finding ways to win these low-scoring games as if we're still stuck in the 90s. Traveling to Duke, Catholics versus Devils, college game day, Notre Dame 21, Duke 14, the college football world did take a blow on Saturday night. No, with the loss of Riley Leonard. I do know that it's a high ankle sprain. Uh, telling me before we just launched here that it was one of the ending drives. But man, what do we what do we think about this one? Because all I have right now are Catholic and devil jokes. 
<laughs> well, what I think about this is that if you put this Duke defense, or I, I don't again, I, I don't even know if that I'm putting putting it right with that. I think if you put this Duke defense on USC's offense, you probably got a dang heck of a national championship contender. Like if you oh, put yeah. it on a team like uh, 2022 Tennessee, you might have a mm-hmm. national championship contender. They're tough. They hold Sam Hartman to 50% completion percentage, mm-hmm. uh, 15 of 30, which is just disgusting. But when you find a way to win a game like that and you cover on the road, I'm impressed. Now, you know, nonetheless, as, as ugly as it was and as muddy as they made it, uh, you know, Notre Dame still got Estime to four and a half per carry and two touchdowns. Mm-hmm one being the absolute game winner there towards the end. And, you know, you just hate it for for Leonard and Duke and how inspirational that they've been, honestly, because they just look – they look like someone I would never want to play is what they look like. Yeah, for um, sure. But, he go, you know, he goes down on, on the last play of – well, the last offensive play for Duke, uh, strip sack, fumble, and he gets landed – rolled his ankle rolled up on – uh, but luckily for them, they do get a bye week at a perfect time, I think, four and one going into it. You've got NC State out of that. So they hopefully they can rebound and, and get back to what we've seen them be. But this this feels like a classic, just a classic game, man. Ground game dominated it. Both quarterbacks, not all that flashy. That's the way it feels to me. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, what jumps out to me is how Vegas was so wrong on the over-under. Yeah, putting this at fifty two and a half, and it came out at thirty five total. I just don't understand in today's world, especially with quarterbacks like Sam Hartman and Riley Lindard putting up thirty five total points in totality. And Sam Hartman, arguably the one of the best quarterbacks in the country, arguably the best pocket passing quarterback in the country, and not that he's a statue by any means. I mean, you pointed out fifty percent completion rate over Duke. Yeah. I mean, say what you want to about the defense. I, I mean, I hear you. I hear you, but Duke, y'all. <laughs> Duke. Yeah, and look, if that doesn't to me, and, and look, his leading receiver, of course, because it's Notre Dame, of course, because it's college football, maybe more so, but the leading receiver for Notre Dame is their tight end, Mitchell Evans, 134 of Hartman's 222. Um, yeah. College defenses, tell me, you know, say what you want. They don't know what to do with solid tight ends. <laughs> Road environments have been ultra, ultra unfriendly to yeah. opposing teams this year, not games yeah. especially. I think yeah. the stats on that would be fantastic. It, that may be something I have to dive into and report back mm-hmm. on because, again, road environments, especially at night, have, and it doesn't matter if it's not in Florida's case and some other cases, but – They've yeah. not been friendly, uh, and it slows down Notre Dame in a in a really big way. Uh, I mean, Duke had them; they had them edged in total yards. Oh no, they didn't. Excuse me. I thought they had them in total yards. They did not, but they, they slowed not, them yeah. down significantly. Um, I mean, you did outrush them, but you didn't slow them down quite enough uh, to pull off the win. Just a vintage game, though. When you look at it being fourteen fourteen, right near the end. I mean, that's that's beautiful. That's that's beautiful stuff. For and, sure. It's what I miss about the game. Notre yeah. Dame, not sure what their ceiling really kind of is when I look at their offensive production against Ohio State, against mm. Duke, like we're saying, even though so much credit goes goes out to Elko and the staff there, what they've done very fast at Duke. Mm-hmm. Just don't know what to make of Notre Dame in the long run yet. And and I think Duke, 
should be right there ready to bounce back once they get Leonard back, once they get some guys healthy. Hopefully they've got a yeah. backup quarterback that can carry the load until he is able to bounce back. But vintage, vintage football on Saturday night. For sure. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying hard not to peek the future here, but uh, I'm straight jacked for this Duke at Florida State game coming up on the 21st. Uh, but we will be in Tuscaloosa, obviously. And then Notre Dame, just peeking at them very, very quickly. Uh, traveling to Louisville, an undefeated Louisville, next week. Hosting USC the week after that, hosting a terrible pit. Traveling to Clemson, hosting Wake Forest. That's just interesting because of the Sam Hartman factor. And then ending the season uh, at Stanford. Uh, Going to be some tough ones there uh, in the mix for Notre Dame. Uh, but nonetheless, man, I think if I'm recapping this, looking at it. Uh, so I had Notre Dame 24-20. You had Notre Dame 30-28. to So we both had, it, uh, both had uh, Notre Dame winning outright. And they pulled this game out. 21-14. The Catholics, the Catholicisms over the Satan worshipers. 21-14. That's going to bring us to the end of uh, today's episode. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, uh, for letting us tickle your ears. Um, man, we just love doing this with you guys. Love hanging out with you. Uh, the podcast is just a lot of fun. Um, I think I speak on behalf of the both of us. Um, <clears throat> Michael's hair continues to grow. Can you give the YouTube people a little preview there? My gosh. Um, my mama used to say, I can't, I can't hear your head shake, so you podcast listeners, you're just going to have to have to figure it out. Uh, it is a thing of beauty. Imagine imagine Thanos with long hair but prettier <laughs> with a beard and not purple. Uh, nonetheless, this has been Pandemonium Range. I'm Dan. He's Mike. Make sure you hit like and subscribe. Thank you for letting us hang out with you. We love you guys. God bless. Go balls. Keep me up.